Hello, church family. This is Ezra, chapter four, part three. Um, if you want, uh, again, this, what I usually do is I, recall, I kind of make us think back about what we've gone through, and uh, we talked about how this chapter really highlights persecution. Uh, you remember in uh, chapter three they were able to go and rebuild the temple, and in chapter four, as they start building the temple, uh, the enemies, those that are um, against the Israelites came up. And these enemies were actually Jewish people that uh, were taken into captivity They by the Assyrians, that they mixed with all of them. And then now there's like, there's, you know, Samaritans, those are half Jew and half Gentile. Um, but they claim to be people that uh, are followers of God. Um, and we, you recall yesterday, we talked about how um, these people uh, were upset because they were, um, because of the exclusive uh, nature of, of our God. Uh, they claimed that they were worshiping sa- the same God, uh, but they were, they did not, uh, because they didn't have a temple, they didn't have a priest, they didn't have anything that would seem like uh, worshiping the God of Israel, but yet they claim uh, to be followers of that. And um, we talked about how uh, being a follower of Jesus means uh, that there's this exclusive um you know, that there are these truth claims are exclusive to Christianity, and we must be people to, uh, we must be people that are discerning enough, uh, and, and bold enough to say, yeah, this is what God's word has to say, uh, and we stick by it. Uh, we can, we can coexist in a temporal and worldly sense, but we cannot coexist in a spiritual sense when it comes to truth claims. Uh, and that usually invites persecution, uh, um, that's why it happens. And today we're going to talk about how to endure persecution. How do we endure persecution? And we see this, this little uh, short passage here in, in the middle of chapter uh, 4, verse 3. Um, so, again, I'll just read from the beginning of verse 3. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of, heads of fathers' household of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God, but we ourselves will gather uh, we will together, gather together, build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded. Now, it's a really short passage here, but you under, you see how Zerubbabel and Joshua, um, they told them that, okay, we have nothing to do with you, and the reason why we're doing this is because the king gave us a, a, a reason to do it. The king gave us an order to do it. Uh, essentially, what Zerubbabel and Joshua did was they hid behind the legal, uh, the, the law of the land. Uh, and this is a very wise approach, as it is both true and legal. It's true that um, they have nothing to do with them, because uh, the Samaritans, the enemies of God, um, were worshipping a different God. And at the same time, it's also uh, legal, because the king, because King Cyrus gave them a decree to do this. Um, and they use whatever law of the land was in order uh, in order to allow them to continue on rebuilding the temple and the city and uh we uh, during times of persecution you have to understand um how to well there's one way to uh, to endure especially in our american context is just understand how the law works uh part of god's sovereign and provisional grace in this life for us as american christians is that uh we can tactfully use the law of the land uh, 
and live faithfully to the Lord without being a without being a hindrance to the scriptures and at the same time honoring to the Lord. We can use the means that we have to continue on with the with what God expects of us to do and also have a legal defense for it. Um, we have, in our country at least, uh, free speech and religious liberty. This means that as Christians we should take advantage of this. This means that we can go and share the gospel and not be arrested for it. Uh, we can faithfully declare and preach God's word and uh, we can do it without any uh, consequences because we they're, they're legal prote- we have these legal protections. And um, we see this even in scripture, Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, Daniel, this is, uh, you know, these are the people that went into Babylon. So I guess chronologically, this was before Ezra. But you recall Daniel, he was this faithful individual. He understood, um, the, the world of the Babylonian world and understood their, um, their thinking and their philosophy. He learned all of it. Um, but he just didn't compromise on things that matter. So things that, uh, like the food offering and everything like that, he didn't compromise in those areas. But Daniel chapter one, verse 20, it says that as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king uh, consulted them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued to the first day, first year of Cyrus the king. So he, uh, Daniel and his friends, they owned the material. Uh, they owned all the Babylonian ideas, and they were able to use it so, uh, to basically be a faithful representative uh, of of God in a foreign land. Um, Paul does this, uses the same type of leverage in Acts chapter sixteen, um, Acts chapter sixteen, verse thirty-five. Um, to the end of that chapter. Now, when the day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these uh, words to Paul saying, the chief magistrate have sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us in public without trial, men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison. And now they are sending us away secretly. No, indeed, but let them come themselves and bring it out. The policemen reported these words to the chief magistrate. They were afraid when they heard that they were Roman. Uh, they And they came and appealed to them. And when they brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. They went to the prison of, of uh, prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the burden, they encouraged them and departed. So Paul here used his legal, uh, um, basically his because he pulled a Roman card, and at this time they weren't supposed to treat him that way, but he used it as a means um, to let him to, you know, stand up for justice. Like, hey, you did something uh, legally, as you did something illegal, and uh, and he wants them to be held accountable for it. And we see this again later in uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 37 to 40. And Paul was about to be brought into the barracks. He said to the commander, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who came who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness. But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarshish in uh, in Cilicia, a citizen of no significant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. So again, Paul uses his um, his Roman citizenship as a means to which uh, he could go and share the gospel. Acts chapter 22, verse uh, 22 to 30, uh, he does the same thing here. Um, they listen to him, 
uh, they listened to him up to the statement. Then they raised their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. As they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust in the air, the commander ordered them to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. But when they stretched him out with tongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, What are you about to do? For this man is is a Roman. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. The commander answered, I acquired the citizenship with a large sum of money. Paul said, But I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman and because he put him in chains. So see, Paul understood that even in times of persecution, you need to be wise in terms of how uh, the world works. And that's um, part of how we could endure times of persecution. We need to know what we're able to, what we have, uh, uh, so we can use this as leverage for, for gospel advancement. And that's what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 to 20. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, Jesus tells them this idea of shrewd as serpents, basically cunning, to be smart, to be uh, tactful, but innocent as doves in terms of moral character. You, know, you do everything right according to the first to the Lord and then even to your fellow citizens. But you have to understand how you can use and leverage things around you for the sake of the gospel. And a wise Christian can use whatever means uh, for protection uh, and for gospel opportunities. Uh, as a student, you understand, uh, if you're a student and you're listening to this, you understand that um, you have to be wise of when you can share the gospel. Uh, when I was in college, I had an English, American literature course, and uh, we were reading Jonathan Edwards' Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I was so delighted because I just spent the whole class debunking people's like hatred towards the work and just kept sharing the gospel. And I used Edwards as a means to uh, to you know, to present the gospel, so it's in the right context. And at the same time, I'm using, I am sharing the gospel with people. Um, you have to fi- figure out the wisest route in your own life. Look for those uh, opportunities to go and and witness to people. At work, if you have, if you're working, you understand you can't do it at work, but that doesn't mean that you can't invite people off campus or at, to your home uh, so that you can share the gospel with them. Um, the point is that you need to be mindful of your surroundings and use every opportunity you have for the advancement of the gospel. Uh, for us as Christians now, uh, we may not be suffering persecution, but when it does, in the, in, again, in the American context, there are legal things that can protect us from things. That's why things, um, you know, without getting too political, that's why there are certain institutions that still exist, because our country, uh, by the grace of God, has certain parameters and, and legal protections for us to exercise our religious liberties. And you need to understand those things in order for you to continue to be able to share the gospel with others. Uh, now, you have to understand that free speech and re- religious liberty is unique to our context. Um, when if if I was speaking to another context and like maybe like another like another part of the world, the application is going to be a little bit different. You just have to be uh, a lot more like as what Jesus says, shrewd. You have to be a lot more cunning in order to. Uh, in order to be able to survive, to endure, in order to endure persecution. Uh, 
So that's what we're, uh, that's, that's really the lesson for today. Uh, why persecution happens is because we believe in the one true God and there's an exclusive nature to God. How do we endure it? Uh, we use the world's means. Whatever the, the means that they've given us, uh, we use those means to be able to endure. And that's exactly what happened in Ezra chapter 4. Uh, they built what they built because the king allowed them to do it. Uh, they had the decree in order from the king, uh, King Cyrus, uh, to do it. And then that's what they did. They hid behind them. So what uh, Zerubbabel and Jeshua essentially did is say, if you have a problem with uh, what we're doing, go take it up with the king. And we see that that's what they, the enemies of God, uh, they even, that's what they did. And um, when persecution happens, when it escalates, um, how are we supposed to think about it? And that's what we're going to look at tomorrow. Um, how are we supposed to think about persecution? How do we think through it um, in light of persecution? Uh, thanks for listening. Hope this is encouraging to you. And uh, have a blessed day.